0: Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now, here's your host, Chad Dotson.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 220. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. Joining me again today, your friend and mine, Jason Linden. How are you today, Jason? I am splendiferous, Chad. As usual, you're in a good mood, uh, Jason Linden. Um, Let me just tell you, you already know this, and and those of you that uh, I haven't talked about it too much, those of you that follow me on Twitter may have uh, seen a a tweet or two. Uh, If you follow me on Instagram, you may have seen a picture, but I've been out of the country
0: for a couple weeks, Jason. Yes, you went to Italy scouting for prospects, I
1: believe. I I scouted for something. I didn't notice any uh, prospects in the bottom of my wine glass.
0: Well, you were looking in the right place.
1: I'll tell you. <laughs> when in Rome, yeah. Oh man, when we got to Rome, my kids were really upset with me every time I said "When in Rome."
0: <laughs> but, <laughs> oh man, know. now I don't take my kids to Italy just so I control them in that exact way. I'm
1: telling you, it's just a, it's a dad joke that I couldn't pass up, and they finally understood that as a dad, I had to do that. But, uh, but have been in Italy. We had a great time. Uh, I, you know, we, it's the first time we'd ever been to Europe, and uh, we thought, you know what, let's. Uh, Let's do a big trip this year. We don't usually do anything really big like that. So, um, and, and obviously can't afford to do something big like that too often, but, man, it was a blast. We just absolutely loved it. Went all over uh, Italy, um, saw a bunch of different places, happy to talk. We, I could do a podcast talking about that. But uh, if you ever get a chance, Jason, I know you told me you've been to France, but you need to go to Italy.
0: Yeah, Oh, well, Italy is definitely on the list. I'm I'm actually hoping to uh, to cross an ocean next summer, so we'll see. Ah, oh, excellent! I hope to hear all about that because, like I said, that's
1: the first time we we'd done it, and uh, a lot of fun. I can't wait to do it again one of these days. So, but but the reason I mention all that is that it was really uh, for someone who talks about the Reds and writes about the Reds. Uh, the timing wasn't great for this because I, I hit this right around the trade deadline, and I left Redleg Nation in everyone else's hands. And um, we pre-recorded a or, or Bill Lack recorded a podcast with uh, Chris Welsh to go up uh, while I was gone, and I just got back. Today's my first day back in the states, and here we are talking about the Reds. But the problem is, I really haven't been following the Reds that closely over there. Uh, And it was the trade deadline, so exciting stuff, I'm
0: sure, right? Right. But first, we need to talk about something, Chad. (laughs) Let's do that. Um, You have a reputation as being a bit of a super fan for certain players, (laughs) and how it is—I just how it is that you managed to be out of the country. When one Mister Adam Dunn was inducted into the Cincinnati Reds Hall of Fame, the nation weeps. Chad, it weeps.
1: I- I'm telling you, you know, uh, I- I've been beating myself up over that all year. Uh, I realized the day, literally, like uh, the week after I booked the trip uh, to Italy, they announced uh, the date of the uh, when the induction gala was going to be, and it was literally the day that I was flying out. And so, did you
0: did you get to go? No, I did not get to go to the gay lot, but I did get to go to the, the game the day yeah. before. We had all the speeches on the field and such. Oh, exciting.
1: Yeah, you're right. I, I'm, maybe I'm not as big an Adam Dunn fan as uh, I'd claim to be. You,
0: you know, just make sure, make sure that you keep your summer free five years after Mr. Votto retires.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We're going to have some coffee in Votto that weekend, aren't we? Yes, we are. In <laughs> Cooperstown. <laughs> in Cooperstown. Now you're talking. Oh, my goodness. We'll have to do a live Coffee and Votto episode of the podcast from Cooperstown.
0: I love that we just planned as though this <laughs> podcast could possibly still exist in like 10 or 15 years.
1: I know. We're episode 220 now, so we're on our way, but yeah. That'll be uh, episode 2020. Yeah, we're t- we are talking 10, 15 years, actually, not, <laughs> not just five years from now. I hope Votto doesn't retire tomorrow.
0: No, that would be terrible.
1: So... um Anyway, I thought you were going to tell me that, you know, another guy that I've been a super fan for, Billy Hamilton, had, like, hit for the cycle or something while I was gone. Did,
0: did that happen? He, he did not. He has continued to kind of be who he is. Uh, Adam Duvall is no longer a Red. Wait, what? Yes, it's true. He has been traded to uh, the baseball team that plays in Atlanta. Ooh, the Bravos. And the Reds got, I don't know, some spare parts for him, but – um the interesting thing about that, and this is kind of the one thing I'm happy about with the trade deadline, is that Dick Williams made clear that the purpose was to make sure that they were committed to Winker and Shevler as corner outfielders next year. So that was basically, he was it was determined that Duvall was the odd man out, which I think was the appropriate decision to make. I don't really care what they got from the Braves, but I like that they uh, are committing to those two players.
1: You know, I saw that quote as well, and I thought that was uh, uh, really interesting. And, and again, it sort of felt like Dick Williams was aiming that at us in a way because um, with with Adam Duvall, I I like the return they got for him. I mean, I didn't expect to get much of anything for him. The fact that they got some
0: guys that may be useful parts, I
1: fantastic. Yeah.
0: I mean, they got lottery tickets, basically, which is what you were going to get for him, and that's fine. Right,
1: and and I, I sort of felt about it. It's a totally different situation, but you and I have talked a lot about the possibility of Scooter Jeanette being traded at some point. And, and yeah. above all, in some ways, I felt similarly about the idea of trading him. Um, if you can trade him, I think it's uh, it's good because he's not your he's not going to be one of the guys. He should not be one of those guys. And the fact that the Reds have you know in a very outspoken fashion now said. These other guys were ahead of Duvall. Um, I think that speaks well of the res decision-making. Um, yes. But if they'd have kept Duvall, you know, I, I wouldn't have had a big problem with that either, especially given the fact that we now know that Duvall is sort of the odd man out because Duvall's relatively cheap and would have been a really nice fourth outfielder. I, I wouldn't have mind keeping him around under those circumstances.
0: Well, so- here, actually, here, here's a question I have. I think it's interesting when it comes to players like Adam Duvall and people are like, well, you know, as you just said, he, he would make a nice, like, fourth outfielder. I, I don't think he would, actually. Really? Um, yeah. Well, I did it, you know, a lot of people, there's there's a segment of the Reds community that I try really hard not to interact with. I think they are all members of the Reds Facebook group, which I do not associate with in any fashion. <laughs> um, and some of them, but, you know, it entered into Twitter, and some of them were really upset about this trade. And they're like, well, he's such a good player. And I looked it up. Man, over the last calendar year, Jose Peraza has an OPS that is 34 points higher than Adam Duvall. Ooh. No no one would tell you that Jose Peraza was a good fourth outfielder because he doesn't have enough of a bat. Adam Duvall does not have enough of a bat. Uh,
1: okay, but he has the poten- he, he, you can put him in <clears throat> defensively, and he has the potential yeah. to run into one in the ninth inning and uh, turn
0: a game around. It's true. I, I, I will say, though, I actually think at this point that I would rather have Billy Hamilton as a fourth outfielder than Adam Duvall.
1: And and there was sort of the problem.
0: Again, yeah. I, don't, I'm not, I don't want to say thing, anything bad about Billy Hamilton because he's my
1: hero. But um, I think the problem was the Reds had this four-man rotation, and really two of the outfielders were, were fourth outfielder types. Yeah. So, um, anywho, Adam Duvall was traded. I, you know, uh, so long, Adam Duvall. He's, you know. I'm a fan of Duvall. You know, I like the guy.
0: I'm a fan of all or nearly all Reds players. You know, I should say, like, I always want them to do well. Adam Duvall never did anything to make me think that he was a bad person. Like, he seems like a really, like, nice guy, like, solid person. Yeah. But I want the Reds to win.
1: Right, right. Having him around probably doesn't help the Reds uh, going forward in terms of – making him a better team, but uh, he never did anything but give his all for the Reds and, you know, good attitude, as far as yeah. we can tell, and, uh, you know, nice guy. And, and he, he had some great times. I enjoyed the home run derby and all that, you know, wonderful. Um, but he's gone, the Reds got some useful pieces, and I think that was probably a uh, – it wasn't a trade that necessarily had to be made, but I love the way they made it, and then, like you pointed out, came out and said, this is because Winker and Shebler are our guys. And yes. if you're just looking at the guys that are in the organization now, I think those are your guys. Um, ignoring the possibility that Nick Zell or somebody gets gets moved to a corner outfield spot next year, right? Um, let's not ignore that possibility though. Just very briefly here, Jason, do you have any thoughts on because senzel has got to play somewhere next year, and it looks like uh, they're keeping Scooter and they're not going to move him to outfield.
0: Well, this is the question here. So I have several thoughts about that. Scooter obviously wasn't traded. I don't think anybody thought he was going to be traded. It has, however, become more and more clear that his shoulder is not functional really right now. Um, you know, he can barely throw enough to play second base, which is the least demanding spot on the diamond in terms of throwing. Um, and so, you know, after he, you know, presumably he'll be healed up or whatever, you know, maybe he'll have some sort of minor procedure or whatever when he comes back to spring training. And so I'm wondering if there's a possibility that he might get tried in the outfield then. Um, One of the things, and I want to talk, I'm going to write somewhere, either for Cincinnati Magazine or for Red Leg Nation or for somebody somewhere, soon, I am going to write a post diving into the idea that the Reds should be a lot more flexible with where various people play. Um, a,
1: A Joe Madden strategy.
0: Yeah. So, you know, say for instance if it's a day when there is just an enormous outfield, like the Reds are playing in, say, Colorado, right? Um, well, Nick Sinzel can run. He's fast, right? So if you put a defensive outfield of, say, Sinzel and Hamilton and Shevler, that's a pretty good defensive outfield. Yeah. Um, and then let's play second that day or whatever. And then on a smaller outfield... You know, maybe you've got, I don't know, Scooter out in the outfield and Shevler in center and Winker in right and Senzel's at second. Just be creative, right? Get your eight guys or whoever are, who are qualified to be playing every day in the majors. Get them all 145 games.
1: Yeah, you can do that. Yeah. And, and, and just kind of,
0: kind of pick your matchups and, and, and things of that nature. and You know, keep everybody fresh and, and all of that stuff.
1: Right, right. And what we saw from the four outfielder thing this year, which it sort of worked out the way we all kind of said that it could if they yeah. – uh, I mean, they, they should have played Winker more when, uh, you know, at times. But other than that, all four guys got a lot of at-bats. They're injuries. They're, you know uh, – Yeah. There's plenty of opportunity to get players in the game. And if you expand that to guys that can play infield and outfield, then you really create a lot of opportunities for more players to play and get significant playing time. You don't have to say he's my starting second baseman. He's starting their 155 games. Yeah. Just say, I'm going to get him 145 games somewhere.
0: And, you know, if if you have positional flexibility, it also insulates you largely against injury. Um, so that, you know, let's say Scooter is normally the everyday left fielder and Senzel is the everyday second baseman or vice versa, whatever. Well, one of them gets hurt. You slide the other one into second base, and you've still got Winker, Hamilton, and Shevler in the outfield, which is fine, or... Or Winker and Senzel and Shepard, or well, we've got Senzel in a second now, but you know what I mean. Um, that there are ways to go about it that that would allow you to really maximize the production that you can get um, out of people, and you can play pl- platoon advantages and all that kind of stuff at times. So there are, there are things that you can do.
1: Let me ask you a question. You've heard of this guy named Chris
0: Bryant? I have heard of this fellow. I believe. He plays for the Chicago Bears.
1: The Chicago Bears, exactly.
0: Yes, and um,
1: he plays uh, he plays baseball, and okay. he That's is interesting
0: that he plays baseball for the Bears.
1: <laughs> he, exactly, he's he's a twenty six year old guy and and considered to be
0: one of the premier third basemen in the major leagues.
1: Correct? Would you agree with that?
0: Uh, that is my understanding of the situation. Yes, sir.
1: Okay, and so uh, a, a guy that uh, is an elite, an all star third baseman. Yes. How many different positions has Chris Bryant played in the major leagues? Uh, six. Six different positions. Seven if you include DH, which we Love won't. Yeah. Um, he in, in the major leagues, he's played six different positions. Now, he's played, you know, mostly third base. Right. But he's played all three outfield positions. Um. I didn't realize he'd played 10 games in center field in the big leagues. Chris Bryant, I didn't realize that. He's played first base. He's played shortstop, um, third base, obviously. Second base and catcher and pitcher. Those are the only positions he hasn't played.
0: You know who I'd like to talk about? Sure, tell me who. Is another Chicago Bear. Where's he from? He is, I don't know. But he goes by the name of um, Ben Zobrist.
1: Oh, Ben Zobrist. I thought you were going to talk about a different
0: guy. No, no, no! I don't care about him. Uh, <laughs> he has played in his major league career because I'm looking at it right now. First base, second base, third base, shortstop, left field, center field, and right field. So everywhere except catcher.
1: And probably could play catcher if
0: you know, oh, uh, pinch sure. if they needed him to. And the only of those places of those places, the only one ones where he hasn't really seen significant time uh, are center field, third, and first. Uh, first, presumably, because everybody can play first is, is sort of my understanding of things. Um, but he's a good second baseman, recognized as such, but has is, is moved around. And I'm fine with guys moving around. Be, let's be versatile, Reds. Let's think. Let's try different things.
1: Well, think about the guy that – we're spending too much time talking about the stupid Cubs. I hate the Cubs. Let's, let's just go ahead and say that right now okay. before anybody accuses us of uh, having some, some Cub love. But Cal uh, Schwarber. You know, he's from Middletown. Kyle Schwarber is a big hulking guy that can barely move. He's played four different positions in the big leagues. Yeah. I mean, you know, also if you look at his baseball reference page, he's got uh, four nicknames listed. Hulk, Schwarbs, come on, that's lame, Warbird, and Schwarby.
0: He's a Schwarby doll. That's surprising, because I thought that one of those nicknames would be Kyle Schwarber, who is from Middletown, Ohio.
1: <laughs> That's how he's always referred to on uh, on Red's broadcast by one uh, Tom Brenneman. Um, Chris Bryant's nicknames are Sparkles, Silk, and KB. <laughs> okay. <Yep. laughs>
0: can we, can we, we please off. call Chris Bryant Sparkles more often? Yes. <laughs> Can that please happen? And can we just not even acknowledge KB? Because that's stupid.
1: That's dumb. It's like Schwab's. But you know what? I've, I've really... Uh, I'm about to go down a rabbit hole here. This is this is fun stuff, looking at the nicknames on uh, baseballreference.com. For example, what about uh, Tucker Barnhart? His nickname? Barney. No, nah, yeah. that's not very really good. Billy Hamilton? Bham, ham Or Bone? Yeah. Uh, no, no.
0: Um... <sighs> now, you know, you know, actually, there is somebody for the Reds who does have some decent nicknames. Who's that? One, one Joey Votto. What are his nicknames? Well, Votto-matic, which is pretty good. Pretty good. And the best one, which is like Toki-2 or Talki-2. Yeah,
1: how do you pronounce that? The one with him and uh... And, yeah. What about this one on uh, Baseball Reference? It says Jovo-
0: uh, I'm not acknowledging
1: that. One. <laughs> Get out of here! That's terrible. Oh, yeah. All right, we've gone off the rails here. Uh, if you ever want to waste a bunch of time uh, on baseball reference, just go and look up uh, nicknames. But 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 your point to to circle back around, and we took a really circuitous route to this one. Um, there's nothing wrong with positional flexibility. You know, it's not like we're saying that uh, Nick Senzel needs to be a center fielder every day. Well, nobody no. would say that. But you know. Can can you put him in center field? I don't know because the Reds surely sure haven't tried. Um, he's not played—I don't think—a single game in the outfield in the minors. Um, but they really should have uh, that kind of flexibility because it gives you so many more options on the big league level. And uh, when you're looking for a spot to put your best, you know, players on the field as much as possible, it sure helps if they can have some flexibility. And, and I think Scooter demonstrated a little bit of flexibility his uh, first year with the Reds.
0: You know, he played some outfield, played some—I think—played some third base even. Yeah, he's, he's played around, and I mean, he's not, you know... The the thing about Scooter is... Well, what about this? Here are the guys that I want to play today. Where
1: is Scooter going to kill me the least defensively? Because, because we need his bat in the lineup.
0: Yes. Thank you for saying it for me, Chad. Um,
1: and I think you can find a spot for him. You can hide him, like you said, in small ballparks. Figure out where to hide him. So yeah. that... Uh, so you can get his bat in the lineup, which the Reds need. And... Uh, and so that he doesn't really kill you. So, you know, uh, anyway, uh, we got, again, uh, we were talking about trade deadline stuff and what's going to be going on. And I want to talk about uh, all the rest of the Reds trades next. Um, so, so, so inform me, Jason, they traded Adam Devalka, we already covered that one.
0: Right. Um, they traded Matt Harvey uh, to the Reds for Matt Harvey. Wait a minute. What?
1: How... M- Matt Harvey didn't get traded. He was the one guy that we said had to be traded. No,
0: he's still on the team.
1: Wait, no, that, no, hold on. Wait, now listen, I I know I'm jet lagged, but it almost sounded like you said that the Reds did not trade Matt Harvey. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for listening to red leg nation radio. This is our final episode of the podcast. Uh, We've run out of answers. And so we're going to give it up here. Um, Okay, I gotta uh, let's let's pause here for a second, Jason, because I gotta unpack what you just said. Um, in Chad. All right. Oh my goodness, this it can't be true. Uh, all right. Ignoring Matt Harvey, we have a, a feature here at ReligNation Radio where people can uh, you can send us a. a uh, question, if you want for the podcast, Just email it to me, Chad Dotson at RedLegNation If you want, or send it to me via MP three, and we'll put you actually on later in today's podcast. Listen for that. We're gonna we got our got our first uh, MP three question that someone's recorded for us, and uh, we're gonna try to do our best to answer it. Um, all right, I, I, I'm trying to
0: avoid. We're we gonna do this while you process. <laughs> we're gonna answer this question.
1: No, I'm just trying to find something to talk about to avoid talking about Matt Harvey.
0: Why didn't Here. the Reds? Why didn't the Reds? I mean, he's
1: really. Adam Duvall, you could argue, well, you know, fourth outfitter, maybe don't trade him. Scooter and all these other guys, you can argue why you wouldn't want to trade them. What's the justification for not trading Matt
0: Harvey? Well, would you like to see me contort myself Gumby style? Well, <laughs> Actually, I would. Yes, Jason. Okay. So uh, it goes like this. There's no good reason to not have traded Matt Harvey. It is theoretically possible that they think they can get him through waivers and then someone will panic in August, and they will get something. Okay, maybe. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, it, that has to be what they were thinking. The only other thing I can think of is this. Um, friend of the podcast, uh, Mr. Wick Terrell. He is a think, friend of the podcast. I think it was Wick. think it was Wick. Had a piece up piece up over at, uh, at Red Reporter that I noticed where he wrote about whether the Reds should seriously look at signing Matt Hart?
1: Wait, are you talking about a different Red site on the Red Lake
0: Nation Radio podcast? It, sometimes I I read other sites. Wait, what? <laughs> no, nah, Red Report's great. Wick is great. Continue. Um, we we are great together. Absolutely, two great tastes uh, that taste great together. So
1: we're, we're like a Reese cup.
0: Yeah. So so the case he made um, was that basically the Reds are going to be looking for someone who's not particularly old, and who is affordable with potential. And that basically describes Matt Harvey. The fact that nobody was willing to, to send serious prospects to get him tells you that he's probably not going to get a huge deal in the offseason, was the point made here. And so that means he's affordable.
1: Well, especially, in, and again, I'm interrupting you. I want you to finish this thought, but on the heels of last free agent season, last winter, yeah. when, when there weren't very many big deals being given out. So, yeah, okay, I can I can see that.
0: And he's also throwing the ball much better. Um, I went and looked this up, actually, because Harvey, as we've noticed, is not, not only did he instantly start throwing the ball better when he came to the Reds, but he's kind of gotten progressively better. And he is throwing the ball in July. He His average fastball was 2.5 miles per hour faster than it was during his time with the Mets. So he's gone from about 92.5 miles per hour on his fastball to 95, which is a big difference. Sure, that's good. Um, And so if there is potential that he could actually be a really good pitcher again, and, you know, you can lock him up for some, like, reasonable three-year deal, one assumes with, like, all kinds of performance incentives, so, like, you know, a a base pay of whatever, but then bonuses if he makes, like, 20 or 25 or 30 starts or whatever every year, like, that kind of thing, Um, then the, the Reds could really have something. Uh potentially that he is effectively exactly the kind of pitcher that we feel like the Reds should be going after. Um and if that's the case, you can see a rationale for keeping him on the team, for getting the players who seem to like him quite well to like lobby him, to let him see that, oh, you know, this team really isn't that far away. Maybe I should stick here and see if I can win a World Series or something like that. Right. That's it. That's as much as I can contort myself.
1: <laughs> That's pretty impressive. Thank you. My response? No.
0: No. Yeah, but, no, it's still a bad idea. But.
1: No, it's just, it's you know, you're, you're having to thread so many different needles there to get there. I agree. Um, I agree he's a different p- pitcher than uh, a lot of people thought when we first got him. I mean, listen, I cheered the, uh, cheered is not, maybe not the right term, but I was a complimentary of the acquisition thinking all they had to do was flip him for someone better than what Devin Mesoraco would have brought at the, at the trade deadline in order for this to be a successful trade. I don't know what they were offered. Dick Williams uh, and Nick Crawl and, and, I don't know, Walt Jockety, who all are, whoever's in the room on these types of phone calls, they didn't call me and, and fill me in, right. uh, as surprising as that might be to our listeners. But it's possible they got nothing offered in return. I, I don't know. You know, maybe no one's desperate enough right now and yeah. they thought it was uh, worth taking their time
0: and the seeing to be that he was everybody's backup plan. Yeah. I mean, I can see that that, you know, basically if they can't, you know, if the brewers can't get X and they'll go after Matt Harvey, if the, whoever can't get, you know, it was that kind of deal, uh, which again, like it, it can, that makes sense. Could it be, makes sense. but
1: the way I look at it is, if anyone offers me something better than what I would have gotten in return for Devin Mesoraco, you know, and, and that's who they traded to get Matt Harvey, yeah. with, the, with the idea they could flip him for more than they'd be able to flip a backup catcher for, if they had, if anyone offered them more than what you would have thought you'd gotten from Devin Mesoraco, I'm taking it. I mean, I may I may string it out to the end of the you know to see if I can get a better offer until the very end, but I'm taking. it. I'm trading for whatever I get because the whole idea behind getting him is that you try to flip him for something better than you – an asset better than what you had before. Now, it's possible that no one made any kind of a legitimate offer, in which case they think, well, let's see if we can go through – if if that's the case, they probably will probably will be able to get him through waivers, frankly, yeah. and trade him. Again, for those of you that don't, don't really understand how that works, uh, July 31st was the uh, non-waiver trade deadline. But you can still trade teams up until the end of August, trade players up until the end of August – if they clear waivers, wait, wait, wait. we can trade teams. <laughs> yeah. Let's trade, let's trade the Reds for who you want to trade them for. Mike Trout. <laughs> yes. I would make that trade in a heartbeat. <laughs> um, but anyway, so you can trade, uh, you can trade players uh, if you can sneak them through waivers through the end of August. So, you know, maybe the Reds can stick to If they didn't get any kind of a compelling offer at all, then that's one reason to do that. But if you've got any kind of a compelling offer, I think you take it and just take what you can get and give those starts to Robert Stevenson and Cody Reed the rest of the way.
0: Yes, which is something I want to talk about.
1: Yes, well, I do too, so we'll get to that in a moment. So,
0: so But Matt
1: Harvey wasn't traded. And, and let me just go back to the way you contorted yourself. If Matt Harvey is healthy and he wants to reward the Reds, and he'll assign an incentive-laden contract. Okay, maybe I can see that. the pro- here's the problems I have with that. Number one, this is a, a 28, 29-year-old pitcher coming off elbow surgery and shoulder surgery, and who um, his velocity has been down, still down over what it was at his peak. Uh, it's up over what it was, certainly, earlier this year and last year. As you noted, um, but am I going to sign? Is that the type of guy the Reds want to sign to a, to a big league deal? Number one, um, maybe if it's sufficiently incentive laden. But you know, maybe I could buy that. But the problem there is his agent is Scott Boris, and if the Reds are outbid by one other team, he's going to go to the other team, and so it's a big uh, again. Unless the only thing you were offered was was you know Devin Mesoraco in, <laughs> in trade. Otherwise, I think you got to trade him. And so I do not see him pitching for the Reds after this season. I, I, I can't see that happening. Um,
0: and if yeah, he, I can't either. I mean, like I said, I'm torting myself, and, and who knows? It is, you know, Well,
1: let me ask you this. I, I'm sorry to interrupt it, but I, I do want to say this. Didn't Dick Williams say something about keeping him because of the, the culture of winning around here or something lately? I love Dick Williams. I really do like the guy. He's, he's a friend of the podcast. Um, and some things he says to, to the press publicly uh, I think are uh, sort of uh, you know couched in terms to uh, PR terms. Yes, but uh, which is fine. That's what I, a, a director of baseball office, whatever his title is now has to do that. I'm, I'm okay I,
0: with that. I think that if you have a pitcher you're hoping to flip and nobody offers you anything for him so you don't trade him. Instead of saying nobody wanted him, you say, well, we want to maintain the culture of winning. And we didn't have an offer that we thought was good enough to uh, sacrifice that culture of winning.
1: And, and the truth of the matter is that probably 75, 80 percent of Reds fans out there, and we encounter them on uh, talk radio and on Twitter all the time, they, that's what they want to hear. We've changed the culture. Matt Harvey's contributed to this culture of winning right here now. We got it; it's positive. So Dick Williams said that and I guess the best the most charitable interpretation is that it was a PR statement. Not that he really I mean, I, I don't think he really believes that having Matt Harvey for a month.
0: Uh, you know it creates a culture of winning?
1: <laughs> I do. Won't you tell me though? Good players. Yes. And winning. Yes. Yes, winning. Good players win. And so, and Dick Williams knows that. Those of you that uh, are upset about the culture of winning, and there are a minority uh, of Reds fans. I do think it's a minority, but sort of the more uh, thoughtful minority sometimes th- thinks, oh, that's a ridiculous statement. And, and it really kind of was, but I just can't believe that he really meant it in the way that it's been taken by a lot of people. But a lot of people hear that and they think, all right, finally, we're keeping good players. Because <laughs> that's what they want, keep Matt Harvey because he's a good player. He was an all-star, Jason.
0: He was an all-star. I mean, he was a fantastic pitcher for like two years.
1: No, he was. He was. He was elite. Um, it's funny. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I I embarrass myself by tossing this out there every once in a while. But several years ago, right before Homer Bailey signed that uh, contract, the big contract with the Reds, I wrote a piece for ESPN.com that basically made the case that that Homer Bailey was finally the ace that we had hoped he was going to be. And I did it by comparing his numbers to some of the elite pitchers of that time. which you know, Max Scherzer was in there. Uh, uh, who else? Uh, Strasburg probably at that time. Uh, Verlander and Matt Harvey. <laughs> and now we've got two of them.
0: Yeah, the wrong two. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know, indeed. That's really interesting because it brings something up, which is that pitchers are completely unpredictable. That's a fact. That's you why, know, that's why you got to be careful signing any pitcher. I mean, of that of that rotation that uh, the Reds had that where you know they went through the whole season and only had to use one other pitcher because there was a double hit header. Um, who who in the world had Mike Leake as like <laughs> like the guy who was still going to be making every start and productive a few years later?
1: Yeah, I, I know. I'm sorry, I got distracted, Jason. i got to tell you something. This just came across the Twitter wire. My phone started, I saw
0: too. My phone yeah. started
1: blowing up, and I, I saw, you remember Zach Buchanan, who used to be a, uh, he's a Diamondbacks beat writer now, but he was the Reds uh, Cincinnati Inquirer beat writer. He just he tweeted at me, uh, RIP your mentions. And I was like, what What does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> and now everybody's tweeting at me. Evidently, Hunter Green, the Reds' top pick in the 2017 first-year player draft, went on the disabled list with a sprained ulnar collateral ligament ligament in his right elbow. He will not. He's out for the season. Moment of silence. Uh, and, and now everybody's tweeting at me. Oh. Like oh, it's my fault. At- let, let me reset for those of you that didn't listen to it. Oh, my gosh. I didn't expect me to talk about this today, so we're not prepared for this, and I don't want to talk about it long. But since we're talking about pitchers, Hunter Green, you know, he's great. And I made the case during spring training, spring training, that you know Hunter Green should not be untouchable. And if I'm mischaracterizing what my argument was, was at that time, Jason, let me know. But, but he should not be untouchable. The Rich should consider trading him because what happens if he blows his arm out, and uh, you get nothing for him?
0: Young pitchers oh, are, are oh, young pitchers. Oh, stop, right. What's that? You hope he can play shortstop.
1: <laughs> At that point, you hope he can play shortstop. And with him, that might be a
0: possibility. I will say this. I, I will actually say this. If Hunter Green's arm is going to go out, I'd rather it happen now because he was also considered, I believe, pretty much a first-round year, a first round talent as a position player. Absolutely true. Yeah, so, yeah, if it had to happen, now's the right time. Yeah, have it happen now, and then fine, he comes back next year you're a shortstop, man, or a second baseman, or a center fielder, or whatever. But like, pick up the bat and let's go. Right. So there are a lot of. But anyway,
1: there are a lot of good. Uh, oh, well, nothing's good about this. But um, so I made that, uh, you know, made that point to somebody, and then Hunter Green, um, <coughs> some jerk, uh, alerted Hunter Green to it, or he was searching his mentions yeah. or something. I don't. Or searching his name on Twitter or something. I don't know. But he tweeted about it and. Uh, it became a thing for 24 hours, and, uh, you know. Um, now you two are best friends. It was on the Cincinnati Inquirer's website. Probably not today, because if he tweets at me today, oh, my! I'm just going to deactivate my Twitter account. <laughs> um, so anyway, now my phone is going nuts with people telling me that Hunter Green's hurting and it's all my fault, and uh, I promise I, I didn't want him to get hurt. I've been praying all season that he wouldn't get hurt because I knew this was going to happen. I was going to get the blame. So, anyway, so I, I sort of lost focus there for a moment. You were talking about how Homer Bailey's great now. Is that what you were talking oh, about?
0: I was talking about how pitchers are unpredictable.
1: No, wait a minute. I thought you said Homer Bailey has been awesome lately
0: while I was well, going yeah, out of the country. Like last, what, two starts?
1: <laughs> I leave the country and he pitches great. He pitched a
0: complete game. Who's the last person for the Reds to pitch a complete game? I don't know.
1: You do, you do know, don't you?
0: I I don't. Was it Homer Bailey?
1: <laughs> it was not Homer Bailey. Um, was it
0: Was it Chad?
1: <sighs> let me look back and make sure that I'm not saying this wrong. I mean, I thought so. Yeah, first complete game for last complete game for the Reds was on May 13, 2017, last year. Are right, you really don't know or do you know? I really don't know. I actually do not. <laughs> Jason, the last complete game pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds, May 13, 2017. I'm going to try to say this with a an Italian accent this time. I have no idea what I'm doing here, but
0: Eliseverto, oh My God, that's beautiful! And is it really? <laughs> is this correct?
1: That is actually true because I was over there. My phone started blowing up one day when I was in Italy, and it, that was the reason why. Because Homer Bailey pitched a perfect game, a perfect game, a complete game, and yeah. somebody tweeted out that. It, Boni had the last one, so everybody just thought it would be funny to tweet at me about that, too. So, um,
0: since, uh, since returning from the disabled list, he, Bailey's got 14 and two-thirds innings, four runs, 14 strikeouts, and three walks. That will get it done.
1: That will get it done. Uh, so the Riches signed him to an instant contract, too, right?
0: Yes, they should extend Homer <laughs> Bailey. Um, oh. It should be one of those, like, lifetime contracts like where it's, like, there's a a, 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 team, a $10 million team option that extends off into infinity. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um,
1: sheesh. What right, about Nick Senzel and Hunter Green getting hurt this year and out for the year? Uh, um, Reds are Uh John Faye's reporting from Cincinnati, Cincinnati Inquirer that uh, they're going to
0: try to uh, rehab it. No surgery. You know, it's one of those things. This is one of my... One of my one of the things that I really dislike about the current state of like sort of baseball and injuries is that is how often you don't get told what the actual injury is. Yeah. It leads to people making all kinds of conjectures. Like you can absolutely sprain your elbow. That's a thing that happens. And if he really just sprained his elbow, okay, whatever, fine, we'll be fine next year. But because he's a pitcher and they say sprained elbow, basically Everybody's like, oh, he's getting Tommy John surgery. Well, I don't know. He might be because teams have said sprained elbow before, and then somebody's getting Tommy John surgery. So, you know, basically what happens is I think the teams try to downplay an energy and, and an injury to mitigate panic, and then what they've done is they've just made it so that everybody panics every time anything happens.
1: And with all the guys that have been hurt, I understand the panic. Yeah. But, uh, but it's like,
0: you know, a good example of this is um, – shebler has been rehabbing his sprained shoulder, and uh, he was in Louisville, or he's been in Louisville doing doing rehab. And I got to talk to him um, I don't know, a, week or so, a week or so ago, and and he gave a good little interview. And it was completely clear talking to him that it really is—it's just a sprain. And he said something about being, you know, pushing through it. Like anybody who's ever sprained anything knows that feeling. It's like, eh, you can function, you're better, you know, you can go about your normal stuff. You just feel it a little bit in places. Um, and, you know, that's what he said. It was very clear to me that that's what he meant, and I typed it up and put it on Red Light Nation, and somebody commented with, ooh, that, that seems like there must be something bigger going on there. And it's because we've basically been trained not to trust management when they say anything about insurance. You know, it, it, dude, he has a sprained shoulder. It, it will take as long as it takes to heal, but he's not getting surgery. He has a sprained shoulder. That was clear to me, but because, just in his tone talking to him, but because of, of the precedent that's been set up with regards to sort of truthfulness and injuries around Major League Baseball, nobody believes somebody when they say it's a minor injury.
1: Yeah, which I guess I kind of get. But um, Michael Lorenzo and Anthony Anthony DiSclefani, I believe, had the exact same thing, and they did, came back, no surgery. So, you know, it, all injuries are not the same. Right. So I'm hopeful that the Reds are telling the truth. And that uh, they really, truly believe they can get him back without surgery, uh, and that he'll be the same guy. You know what do I know? But Everything. listen, it's not my fault. <laughs> I'm getting blamed now, right now on Twitter, and it's not my fault. I think it's very clearly your fault, Chad. <laughs> what, truthfully, you know what? You know what? Actually, is uh, the, what we should see from from this episode? I was right. You know, I mean, yeah. the the point that I made was was right, which is that Hunter Green should not have been untouchable because this could happen. Now, uh, this could happen. Hold on, I'm not this. We just talked about may not be. You know, maybe just what the Reds said. It's not necessarily an awful thing, and the Reds have lots of options that are gonna uh, that they. Hunter Green's very likely to be a, a good player going forward. Come on, but. This is why, if you can trade him in the right deal, I wouldn't have traded him for just anyone. But if you can trade him in the right deal, this is why you consider it
0: at least. Yeah. Um, if you could have traded him for, I don't know, say Christian Yelich.
1: Yes. Yes. Absolutely. But you know, I understand why you wouldn't want to trade him either. I love the. I want the guy to be an ace for the Reds, and he has ace type, an ace type arm, or he did. You know, last week. Um. And hopefully will. I'm sure he will again. Come on, he's you know like 14 years old. The kid's going to recover.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I will say this: I am fairly confident that Hunter Green will be a major league player at some point. No, oh, me Either too. On the mound or on the field, but he has those two talents, and he'll he'll make it at some point.
1: Well, you know, if his arm is not you know completely dead from this, and there's no reason we should think that it is, he's shown me enough in the time, just the short time that he's been in pro ball, that. If he can remain healthy, he will absolutely pitch in the major leagues. Now, is he going to be an ace? I don't know. But he's absolutely got the stuff to pitch in the major leagues. Yeah. There's no question whatsoever if he's healthy. And if he's not,
0: maybe maybe he's a shortstop.
1: Oh, Jason, that we, we sort of took a detour there because, uh, oh, my gosh, shut up. Wait
0: going to enjoy getting to hear your reaction to this happening <laughs>
1: in,
0: in real time yes it's going to be our most downloaded podcast
1: <laughs> yeah really i didn't expect it to go that way hunter green let me just say this hunter green really my, my man I, I hope you recover 100 i hope you're an ace for the reds for a long time i do not want you to be hurt i want you, because i'm a reds fan and you are uh, one of the big uh, big hopes for the reds going forward and I look forward to you coming back fully healthy, and the Reds keeping you in the minor leagues for another six years because that's the way they do things. That's a different criticism. That's not directed at Hunter Green. Um,
0: where were we, Jace? Uh, pitchers pitching. Here's okay. Well, this is we were going to talk about Robert Stevenson and Cody. <laughs> yes, let's let's do that. I'm and how, what it comes down to is that unless for some reason we know Matt Harvey is going to be in the rotation next year, he should not be in the rotation right now.
1: Exactly. You know, if if you think you can sign him, okay. but uh, Or if you think you can trade him, maybe for the next couple weeks keep him in the rotation. But the, if he's not going to be a red after this season, there is zero justification for him yeah. starting the rest of the season. I mean, there's literally no justification for it.
0: Yeah, and the Reds t- today actually sent down uh, Tyler Molly because um, he's had like four bad starts in a row. Which actually, it occurred to me. I don't. know, I'd have to look at the math on this, but I they. I don't think they have to have Molly down that long to grab an extra year of service time. Probably just a couple weeks, right? Some. I'm not sure because he was up for a little bit last year. So I have to look. I'd have to look at the numbers and see exactly what the service time days are but he doesn't have to be down that long and they grab an extra year from him. So So this might have kind of given them the excuse to do that. Um, But they sent Molly down, and so you've got... I mean, Homer's been great the last two starts, and Harvey has certainly been a breath of fresh air. But are either of those guys in the long-term plan? And if they're not, then why is Molly getting sent down... And why isn't Robert Stevenson getting a chance? And why isn't, like, Cody Reed getting a chance? Or even, like, you know, um, Jose Lopez? Like, just give some... You know, see what people can do. Instead of Matt Harvey and Homer Bailey. Yeah. And it says nothing against Matt Harvey and Homer Bailey. Right. It's It's just where the Reds are. Yeah, it's just where they are. And, you know... I mean, I guess, you know, there's this... I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know.
1: I just... I don't have a problem with sending Tyler Malley down. I don't. I mean, he's like 14 years old himself. You know, he's had a rough go of it. I'm told. Uh, like I say, I, I'm just trying to do some catch up, and I see that he's not been real good since I uh, since I left the country.
0: Um, did, they, did They use catch up in Italy?
1: <laughs> no, I didn't. But uh, I don't. In a uh, in a vacuum, if you hear me typing, it's me telling everybody it's not my fault. Um. But uh, in a vacuum, I don't have a problem with Malley being sent down. He's young. He's struggled a little bit. That's what you expect young pitchers to do. But, you know, if you're going to send him down, let's use those starts. Let's get uh, uh, Robert Stevenson and Cody Reed, who recently have shown that they're deserving of another chance on the big league uh, level. Let them get those starts. And so what's going to happen instead is, oh, my goodness, and again, I try not to get upset at things that the Reds haven't done yet. Let's <laughs> not... Get upset until they actually do something stupid. But if Matt Harvey and Homer Bailey take up all these starts, and they're not giving them to Robert Stevens and Cody Reed, and they stay at Louisville, it's dumb. It's just unequivocally, it's dumb. Not yeah. the, uh, the Reds are not going to win the pennant this year. Let's see if Robert Stevenson and or Cody Reed can help them win the a pennant at some point in the future. We're not going to find that
0: out with them in. Triple A. Because really, let's be honest. Robert Stevenson and Cody Reed have both, at various times, shown that they are capable of dominating Triple A. The question is not can they get Triple A hitters out. The question is can they get Major League hitters out. That is the question. Yes.
1: And both of them. Well, Reed's never gotten Major League hitters out really consistently. But Stevenson had a little bit of a stretch where he showed he was making progress at the end of last year, and and we've not even seen him since. What? I would I would have thought that Mali and Castillo maybe even uh, also Romano uh, maybe they got an innings limit and we're going to get those guys up later this year let them start the first half of the season a lot of games um and you know get Stevenson up here the second half there's going to be good lots of starts available maybe I don't know but I'm I'm seeing a no I'm seeing absolutely no um, indication that that's going to happen and
0: it frustrates me. And again, I don't want to get upset. Here, here is just, and listen, everybody out there knows that I have been very skeptical skeptical about Robert Stevenson over the course of his pitching career.
1: Oh, yeah, we we can go back into the uh, podcast archives and you've been
0: very skeptical. But that said, you know, I try to acknowledge that players can progress and I try to admit when I'm wrong about things and, and all of that stuff. Scooter Jeanette. <clears throat> <laughs> Sorry. What are you trying to? Do? Oh, oh! I see your mentions are blowing up, so now you're trying to blow mine up. I see yes how... Please, I'm I dying. How... Since listen, I've listen, some some idiot
1: just tweeted Dodson C's next book is called. My first book, by the way, was called The Big Fifty: The Men and Moments That Made the Cincinnati Reds. Some idiot just tweeted. Not an idiot. He's a good guy, a good follower, um, who's trying to be funny. But his next book is called How I Ruined the Cincinnati Reds with One Tweet. That's <laughs> not funny.
0: That's a, <laughs> it's a little funny.
1: Thank you, Ronnie Porter.
0: Anyway, since May sixth, this is down in Louisville. Keep in mind, but since May sixth, Robert Stevenson in Louisville has a two forty eight ERA. He has in eighty three and, and a third innings, he struck out ninety seven and walked thirty four. That's progress. That's that's excellent, is what he's had one bad start in all of that time. Like he, had, he On what is it? It was June 6th. He blew up, gave up five runs and three and a third, which every pitcher in the major leagues does that, you know, on the so, Yeah. Otherwise, he's had good starts all the way through. And lately, he's, he's had a stretch like he's never had at any level before. There is no reason not to have him getting some big league innings right now. He should be in the rotation now.
1: Let's just find out. Yes. I mean – this is the first extended stretch he's had in a long time where he's not walked every other batter, and so it, it makes me just think. You know, I don't know if he's going to be a good major league pitcher. I don't know if he's going to be a great major league pitcher. I don't know if he's going to be an awful major league pitcher. The Reds kind of, sort of stink. Winning culture aside, kind of, sort of stink right now. Let's, uh, you know, let's let's see what he's got. I mean, we know what Homer Bailey's well, maybe not. Homer Bailey's turned into the greatest pitcher in the league all, all of a sudden, but uh, I don't know. I just. I don't understand why you would not get those starts to to Stevenson and Reed. I just, now's the year to do it. Especially if next year there's some thought you're going to have a chance to compete a little bit.
0: And, I mean, Cody Reed, too. Cody Reed has pitched at least seven innings in six of his last nine starts.
1: What did he do in his last start? Because that was yesterday when I was flying back and I saw it. Um,
0: Uh,. Yesterday, he pitched eight and two-thirds innings. He allowed one run. He walked one batter, and he struck out ten.
1: He's never gone eight and a third innings or eight and two-thirds innings in his life walking only one batter.
0: Yeah. Not even in a little league. No, the weird thing about Cody Reed is that until last year, he had never had had the control problems that Stevenson had. From. Yeah, you know, he was my favorite of any of these prospects. Oh, my, mine too. I was. We were both very heavily Yeah. In his camp for a while.
1: He lost it there for, I don't know, nine months or something.
0: And it looks like he's kind of starting to figure it out again. I hope so.
1: Because he's still young. Yes. So, I don't know. Um, I I don't understand. Of course, we've spent so much wasted breath on this podcast this season wondering why the Reds are not calling people up. Nixon's ill. That this sort of falls in with the same. It is that making sense not to use this season to find out what those guys have. And Matt Harvey, I'm sorry. I, you know, I've enjoyed what you've done for the Reds so far this year. You've been a lot better than anyone expected and awesome. You know, that's great. I like winning games. I I would give Robert Stevenson and Cody Reed every single start for Harvey and uh, Bailey the rest of the way. I mean, that's what I would do. Uh, Bailey especially. And I'm a huge Homer Bailey fan. I listen, we wrote a chapter about Homer Bailey in the Big Fifty. I hope that doesn't keep you from buying it, uh, listeners. Uh Harvey, okay, maybe we can trade him in August. Uh, maybe if you think that's the case, I can see putting it off a couple weeks, but I I don't I just don't understand it, Jason. Jason, I don't I don't get it.
0: I don't either. Um it's mystifying. It's uh, mystifying.
1: All right. Well, let's let's shift gears for just a moment, okay? okay? Because we're mystified. And and I guess to put a the final uh, the final touch on the trade deadline. That's it. They traded Duvall, and that was it. Billy Hamilton yeah. didn't get traded. Roselli Iglesias didn't get traded. Uh, David Hernandez and uh, what was he I doing? will say the relief
0: pitchers are the ones I'm the most fine with not getting traded. Yeah. Iglesias is under control for a while. You need good relief pitchers. I can see him being part of the next winning team. I can see the Reds being good next year and Hernandez and Hughes have been good and they're under contract yeah. for reasonable prices for next year. That doesn't bother me so much. It's it's the other trades that kind of bother – or lack of the other trades that kind of yeah. bother. Well,
1: Hernandez and Hughes, relievers are sometimes, you know, year to year, they sort of – you never know. But those guys have a little bit of a track record and they're under contract for next year, so I'm okay with it. Iglesias, I wouldn't have traded him unless I was bowled over by an offer. I was hopeful that the Reds might get bowled over
0: because I yeah. think
1: he, he might be worth more – to another team in trade than he would be to the Reds, but he's great. I love him. He's as good. He's as talented a pitcher as I've seen since Johnny Cueto, just in terms of his pure stuff. Uh, I wish he could have been a starter, but but anyway, so I'm okay with that. I agree. I agree. I just uh, Matt Harvey just that that whole thing baffles me. Why didn't they trade Homer Bailey?
0: Because no one is trading for Homer. Bailey. <laughs> really? All I right. mean, as, you know, when the trade deadline hit. He had had a grand total of, like, 1.5 good starts in the last four years. <laughs>
1: One was on opening day this year. Oh, yeah, I know. And I, I don't want to talk bad about Homer. Injuries have just crushed him. and But, you know, he's not exactly been willing to do what's best for the Reds, I think, lately. I guess it's a charitable way of putting it. But um, can I uh, – let's go ahead and just for a moment, if we can, Jason – I want to get this question in because we encourage each of you. If you want to uh, ask a question of us on uh, Red Leg Nation Radio, email me at chad dotson at com, and we'll try to get it on. If you can record it on an MP3 and, and email it to me, try to do that. That'd be great, um, and we'll try to put it on, which is what uh, our buddy Drew Johnson, long-time listener of the podcast, has done. Uh, he's a northern Kentucky native but currently uh, in the Air Force, stationed in the Air Force in Japan, and... Uh, listens to the podcast in Japan. What do you think
0: about that, Jace? I, I, I thought that Japan had better media available, frankly.
1: <laughs> I've got two brothers that live in China. They don't listen to the uh, the podcast. Actually, that's not true. They At least one of them listens to every episode, and both of them listen occasionally. But anyway, those are our three followers, those guys. They're, all of our followers are in Asia for some reason, Jason.
0: Uh I guess they just want to be comforted by your sweet southern accent, Chad. The
1: dulcet tones.
0: The dulcet tones of Padwick <laughs> Lissy's Dotson. All right, we've gone longer
1: than I expected today because the Hunter Green stuff uh, just hit me in the face. But here's uh, here's Drew's question. I'm going to go ahead and play it, and then Jason and I will attempt as best we can to answer it.
0: Hi, Chad. This is Andrew Johnson, uh, Cincinnati native but currently living in Masao, Japan. Uh, my question is in relation to some comments made by the commissioner recently about uh, making the game appealing to a new generation. Um, and something Tom Brenneman said today on his broadcast was about widening the strike zone. And it seems like a great idea to me, but I wanted to see your thoughts on, on maybe that generating more hits or some other ideas that would make the game more appealing to a new generation of fans. Thanks, and keep up the good work.
1: Thanks, Drew. Appreciate the question, and again, all of you, I encourage you to do these. Send these to us by uh, by email, Chad at RedLegNation We'll try to answer them. This was an interesting one, but here's my thoughts, Jason. As you, as you, before I give you a chance to dive in, my thoughts are: number one, I don't think the game needs fixing. I, I like the pace of the baseball. I don't have any problems with it, but I do think that baseball is right. And I, I'm sort of going against the grain of a lot of baseball analysts here. I do think baseball is right to be concerned about the pace of the game and how that's uh, appealing to a younger generation. And that's mostly because I watch my son, who uh, just turned uh, just turned 14, and you know he loves going to the ballpark and hanging out. But he doesn't he doesn't want to watch a lot of Reds on television with me, even though he likes the Reds and he follows them. And you know, I guess you sort of have to in in my home but i can sort of see that there's a case to be made that the the game needs to be sped up some. I don't have a problem with that although I, I enjoy the pace frankly. Um, so uh, two things here. I don't think the, I don't think baseball needs to do anything from my perspective to make me happy, but for the average fan and for the fans for the next 20 30 years, I don't think it's a bad idea necessarily widening the strike zone you know, I don't know. I have a hard time with that. Um, I don't like. I don't like the idea of, uh, of changing that particular rule. I would prefer to change maybe some other things. Uh, I don't have a problem with a, a, a clock on the pitcher and with not letting people step out of the box. Things like that, that would maybe speed the game up. But I don't like the idea of changing fundamental rules, like the
0: strike zone. Do
1: uh, you have any thoughts on that, Jason?
0: Oh, I have so many thoughts. I know. I know you would. Shall I I proceed in the expressing of my thoughts? Dive in
1: with the understanding that we're running short on time.
0: Okay. So, uh, first, I think widening the strike zone is a terrible idea. Um, One of the – what is thought of as one of the primary problems in baseball right now is there are too many strikeouts. If you make the strike zone even bigger, there are going to be even more strikeouts. Um, We're not in an era right now where we need to suppress offense. If I were to make any alteration to the strike zone uh, I would take away the low strike, which has been taken away at various times um, Because that would drastically reduce the number of strikeouts and increase the number of balls in play, which I personally enjoy But that's just me. Overall, I probably would mostly leave the strike zone alone But it would be cool if we could have more balls in play, I think personally. As for the pace of the game, um, I think that re- I, I think really, and I'm going to go with the grain of a lot of people right now, what would be really great is if baseball had a commissioner who likes baseball. <laughs> it doesn't seem like Rob Manford likes baseball much, does it? And he? a lot of broadcasters, I know that the Reds broadcasters get some plaque for this, but a lot of broadcasters around the league talk like they hate baseball, which makes no sense to me. Why are you a baseball broadcaster if you don't like baseball? Go broadcast basketball games. I like baseball. So I think that if you have... I think the biggest problem Major League Baseball has from a PR perspective isn't that the game is necessarily unappealing to to different generations or whatever. It's that the people who talk about it talk about it like it's unappealing. Like, if I serve you, say, a gourmet Italian meal, but I tell you it's going to be disgusting... You're not going to be real excited. And, then, and also, even if you try it, your first few bites of experience are going to be tainted by you worrying that something bad is going to come along. So Major League Baseball needs to start doing a better job of selling itself in general, um, I think. Um, in terms of the younger, younger generations and all that stuff, I don't know. I mean, I find football interminable for whatever that's worth. I have plenty of other issues with the NFL. But football games take way longer than baseball games, and there's a whole lot less action, frankly. I mean, what is it? Like they run a play, and then it's like seven minutes later, they run another play? Um, like, what did uh, George Carlin
1: say about football? It combines the – or no, maybe it's George Will. Those are two completely different people. Well, someone said that the uh, – You could not choose two more. <laughs> you different. really couldn't. One of the two said that it combi- football combines the two worst elements. Of uh, American society, which is uh, extreme violence punctuated by
0: meetings. That's George Will. That was that George Will. Yeah, George Will.
1: George Collins yeah. had a
0: good, uh, good, uh, he has a good routine as well. Sport. Yeah. So I don't know that I necessarily by that. I do. I will say this: I am a proponent of the pitch clock, um, not because it doesn't actually shorten the games really at all, and, and when I've looked at the numbers. But I know I watch a lot of bats games where the, the pitch clock is in effect. And what it does eliminate are those times where the pitcher takes forever to get started because he's been hit around a little bit, so he'll pace around behind the mound for seven years where the batter gets in and out. So it eliminates that kind of stuff that can really, on occasion, grind the game to a halt. Yeah, minute so, to a game, though, at most. Right, yeah. But it keeps, it keeps it, the game from having those really bad lulls. Yeah. So that the game is always kind of moving at a fairly steady pace. Baseball is never going to be a furiously paced game. It's not basketball. It's never going to be basketball. Those are they're different sports. But I do think that the pitch clock does a good job of reducing the kind of like egregiously long delays that occur with certain people. It, it kind of gets rid of the human brain delays that, that exist in, in spots around the game.
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess uh, I would mostly agree with that. I think if you're going to fiddle with the strike zone,
0: you should always agree with me, Chad. <laughs> no, I,
1: I rarely. Actually, we agree often, but not always. On this one, though, if you're going to fiddle with the strike zone, do it to increase offense. And and you know, this uh, current era of home run or strikeout is, you know, I don't know. I love baseball, and I love the current version of baseball. I love every version of baseball, but I can see how that would not be appealing to some. Uh, more action would be better. So, if you're going to Fiddle with the strike zone. Fiddle with it in the sense of we're trying to improve the product on the field, not because we're trying to cut down on time or, or something like that because I just don't know that it would work. I don't have a problem with any proposal that would speed up the game. I think that's fine. I, I, you know, I think if you do it without drastically altering the product actually on the field, I'm okay with that. Speed it up. That's fine. Sometimes I have to write a, re, a recap for that uh, on a game that goes late into the night, and I really wish the game had uh, had ended sooner. So that's that's another thing. And I do think that the younger generation, and they people have probably been saying this since, you know, 1888, this younger generation, with their rock and roll music and their, you know, short attention spans, I think it's probably okay to, to speed it up. My evidence is anecdotal in my own home. But... I think the game is, is really pretty good as it is, and, and I love your point about just the marketing of the game. The people that are in charge of uh, promoting the game should not be talking bad about the game. It's, it's kind of like back in the uh, mid-90s through the mid-2000s when the Reds work always, Reds management, Carl Lindner was the owner, was always, always complaining about how Reds fans weren't coming out of the game. We can't. We're in a small market, and we just can't compete. And that—that that was the, every year. We just we're in a small market. We can't compete. And it was sort of like what I called anti-marketing. They gave yeah. no no one a reason to come to the ballpark. They just whined and complained all the time. And uh, and I think that's sort of a, a analogous to what you're saying uh, on the uh, on the big league level. The commissioner of the game should be promoting the game, and uh, not always. I never hear anything from Rob Manfred other than things that are wrong with the game, and I just don't think there are that many things wrong with this game. This is a just gorgeous game, and I love it. And, uh, you know, okay, speed it up, maybe, but let's not talk about it like it's dying,
0: because it is not. Just to give one example, um, you know, I think everybody knows that that baseball's attendance numbers are not necessarily in sync with how many people are actually at the games. Um, But one thing I've noticed is you know, again, being at a lot of Bats games, this year the way they have marketed their team has changed a lot. Uh, it's a lot more positive. They're, they're doing a lot of effort to, to sort of show that they're part of the community and, and think about sort of community-related things. And the result has been a very visible increase in the number of people who are at the games when I am there. I'm, the crowd size is much different. And the team isn't particularly good. Like, they're a bad team. But because they've done a better job of marketing themselves, they have a lot more people coming to games. And so, you know, it's showing – and Louisville is by no means a baseball town, but I've been there plenty of times where there were easily, at a minor league baseball game, you know, 6,000-plus people in the stands.
1: Did you ever think they're only coming because they know you're there?
0: I mean, I assume that that's like, you know, 50% of attendance on any night. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right, so I hope that, that came close to answering – uh question good question and, and I encourage all of you send us in some questions um, and we'll try to get them on if possible Jason uh, one last thing before we cut it uh, <laughs> I intended for this to be a sort of a shorter podcast actually that's what we texted each other short podcast but uh, it's not happened but I want to ask you I, I've been told that since I've been out of the country the Reds have been playing pretty poorly is that is that true?
0: Yeah, they're like three games under five hundred. They're like five and eight or something like that. Is it my fault? It's I assume it's your fault. As is That's... everything, says Hunter Green. I I also can never get. Did he tweet at you? Not yet. I, I just checked.
1: <laughs> um, it's coming. I know it's coming. And then when that happens, I'm done.
0: But uh, no, I mean I I just you know. They've had a couple of pretty bad games, but I I can't get worked up over any particular 13-game stretch of baseball unless it's a 13-0 or 0-13 stretch.
1: Yeah. You still like the Reds is what you're telling me.
0: I still like the Reds. They're my favorite
1: team. Yeah, they're my favorite team too. So I guess we'll keep doing this podcast, I I guess. Deal. Unless Hunter Green has me eliminated. (laughs) Oh, mercy. All right, (laughs) this is... Welcome uh, back from Italy. (laughs) This is what I come back to? I mean, really? Come on, that's not fair.
0: You wish you were in Italy for this. This is Parma. Oh. You should have scheduled things so that you could have made the Adam Dunn Hall of Fame gala, and then you could have been in Italy for all of this news for If
1: I had just pushed this uh, this uh, vacation back like three or four days, I, w- I would have been oblivious. It would have been great. Oh. oh, Italy's awesome, though. Have I mentioned that?
0: You have, and Good. Oh.
1: All right, so it looks like I may have to relocate permanently to Italy. This is a Red Lake Nation Radio episode number, what episode did we say this was, 220? Is that possible? I don't know. Wow. Episode number 220 of the uh, world's greatest Cincinnati Reds podcast. Uh, You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, everywhere you get podcasts. Go find us, uh, download us, and I urge you to to subscribe. Boy, I'll tell you what, Hunter Green's got me all out of sorts here. I can't even talk now subscribe you can talk if, if you're on iTunes leave us a rating and a review that does help more people uh, find us and uh, and our numbers have been growing and I really appreciate all the, the kind things you've been saying on iTunes and elsewhere and uh, tell your friends uh, well as I say if you like us talk about us if you don't like us keep your mouth shut you can find us at RedLegNation.com every day where we're talking about the Cincinnati Reds and have been since 2005 which is a long time ago that's probably before Hunter Green was born. We love you, Hunter Green. Uh, you can find Jason at Jason Linden on Twitter. We love you, Hunter Green. You can find me at Dotson C, and then we're at Red Leg Nation uh, on Twitter as well. I love you, Hunter Green. Uh, Jason Linden, any other thoughts <laughs> other than that, the fact that you love Hunter Green?
0: Oh, who doesn't love Hunter Green?
1: We-, <laughs> we love Hunter Green. For Jason Linden, this is Chad Dotson saying, I love you, Hunter Green.